0: Section 32 of Sikh Religion Volume 4 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org. Sikh Religion Volume 4 by Max Arthur Macaulay. Life of Guru Har Krishan, The Eighth Guru. Chapter 1 Guru Har Krishan, the second and younger son of Guru Har Rai, and his wife Krishan Kaur, was born on the ninth day of the dark half of the month of Sawan, in Sambat 1713 A.D. 1656. The reason why his brother Ram Rai was superseded has already been given har krishan though appointed guru at the age of five years and three months gave promise of a docile spirit and acute intellect according to a hindustani proverb the nature and ultimate size of a tree can be judged by its sprouting leaves so this child gave early indications of being worthy to succeed to the high dignity of his line it is said that even at that early age guru har krishan used to give his sikhs instruction resolve their doubts and lead them on the way to salvation sikhs came from all quarters to visit him and he sent preachers in every direction to fulfil his father's pious object to propagate and extend the faith ram rai was at the emperor's court in Dili, when his younger brother was appointed to the guruship in kiratpur on hearing of it he became very envious he said i first came here by my father guru harai's order this powerful emperor hath so appreciated me that he hath given me much wealth i have moreover extended the faith and yet my father hath deprived me of the guruship and conferred it on my younger brother although ram rai's conscience told him that he had done wrong yet in the words of the chronicler jealousy stopped the ears of his intelligence the masan girdas who attended on ram rai noticing his troubled state of mind said there is no need to be sad thou hast many disciples in this part of the country even the great emperor himself holdeth thee in honor of what consequence is guru har rai's neglect of thee ram rai replied knowest thou not that when the sikhs of this country learn that the guruship hath been given to my younger brother they will turn away from me and go to him Gurdas was ready with an expedient send thy masands in every direction to proclaim thee guru and say that whoever boweth to any other shall be accursed by this device people will reverence thee as guru har rai's rightful successor if on the other hand people reverence guru har krishan and make him offerings that needeth not disturb thy mind he is thy younger brother begotten of a guru and entitled to maintenance ram rai did not approve of the latter but he did of the former portion of Gurdas's advice namely to have himself proclaimed guru he then assembled the masands ordered them to go in every direction proclaim his succession and bring him the offerings of the faithful ram rai reflected not on the words of kabir where there is covetousness there is death where there is forgiveness there is god himself the object of the guruship was to save the world to give instruction in the true name and to blend men with their creator but ram rai thought it a means of amassing money and for this among other reasons his father had set him aside the masands followed the example of ram rai and applied themselves not to the spread of religion of the gurus but to accumulate wealth for their pleasures the disciples whose guru is blind act blindly themselves the masands began to beat and plunder poor sikhs and threatened with the guru's curse all who resented their conduct Ram Rai's desire to collect large offerings was not fulfilled. The Masands became proud and rebellious, and kept the greater part of the offerings for themselves. They treated Ram Rai as a non-entity, for they deemed that all the Sikhs were in their own power, and that they could appoint to the guruship whomsoever they pleased. Ram Rai found himself completely at their mercy, and was obliged to act according to their dictation after much reflection ram rai decided on laying his case before the emperor on obtaining an audience he thus addressed aurangzeb sire my father hath gone on high and my younger brother hath taken possession of his throne his property and offerings this misfortune hath befallen me on account of my obedience to thee my father was opposed to thee on that account and at his death ordered my younger brother never to be reconciled to thee and never to look upon thy face now i pray thee to summon him to dili and order him to exhibit miracles as i have done Aurangzeb, who was himself the incarnation of deceit instinctively knew what ram rai was plotting but yet his conscience at first moved him to give good counsel O ram rai thou art amply provided for why annoy thy younger brother he is also thy father's son when ram rai further pressed his plaint it occurred to aurangzeb that he might avail himself of ram rai's displeasure for his own religious and political purposes he said to himself i want to convert all the hindus to islam but i apprehend failure in the panjab for there the people greatly reverence the guru and if they rise against me i shall have great difficulty in effecting my design i have already several times considered how i can induce the guru to accept the muhammadan faith it was on that account i summoned guru Harai. he sent his son to me and i have him now in my power there is yet another brother of whose resistance to my designs i am equally apprehensive but if i succeed in bringing him here i may bribe him into acquiescence if he obstinately resist i will set both brothers at variance and they shall die by mutual slaughter in this way my faith will quickly spread in the panjab and i shall gain heaven by my success in converting the infidels the sikhs will never suspect that i have put both brothers to death i shall kill the snake without breaking my stick Aurangzeb having contrived this torturous and wicked plan called raja jai singh of amber jaipur who happened to be at court and ordered him to summon guru har krishan the successor of guru har rai i wish to see him said the monarch be careful that he be treated with all respect on his journey ram rai was delighted on hearing of the order to summon his brother if my brother disobey the emperor will send an army to destroy him if on the other hand he come here it will be disobedience to our father's final order never to appear before aurangzeb, and he will then be deemed a greater sinner than i if he run away through fear of the emperor i will then go and establish him myself as guru take possession of karatpur aurangzeb was as much delighted as Ram Rai, at the decision that had been arrived at though for quite a different reason raja jai singh who had previously heard the guru's praises was pleased at the prospect of making his acquaintance and of listening to his instruction he was very glad that such a bigoted man as the emperor had ordered the guru to be summoned with the high respect due to his spiritual position the sikhs of dihli also who were displeased at ram rai's proceedings manifested their satisfaction at the hope of seeing the real guru among them and begged the raja to inform him that not only the emperor but the sikhs of dihli were thirsting to behold him raja jai singh sent a high official with orders that he was to invite rather than summon the guru and escort him to the imperial capital with all pomp and ceremony the raja knew that ram rai and the guru were at variance but he never suspected that the emperor harbored any evil designs when the high officer deputed to summon the guru arrived in karatpur and delivered his message the guru knew that ram rai had instigated the emperor to summon him and said he would give a reply on the morrow when the guru after breaking up the assembly in which the officer had been received went to his house he found his mother his sikhs and his masands very sad on inquiring the cause his mother said that she was in perplexity as to what advice to give him whether he should proceed to dihli or not he was a child he had no father to take counsel with his elder brother a man of great craft and worldly experience bore him enmity and it was difficult to say what plan should be adopted the guru replied mother dear what cause is there for anxiety whatever wa guru hath decided shall take place why be anxious regarding it what can poor mortal do if he have not god's succor i hold my father's opinion that it is better for me not to go to Aurangzeb or hold any intercourse with him the guru's mother rejoined thou speakest aright but the turks hold sway the emperor is obstinate and violent if thou refuse an army may be sent to fetch thee in which case there would be sanguinary fighting and many lives lost next day the guru sent for the officer and said my brother is with the emperor i do not know that i can do anything for his majesty by accepting his invitation the officer replied it is at thy brother's suggestion the emperor has sent for thee but he is very anxious to behold thee himself also and the sikhs of dihli hunger for a sight of thee wherefore come with me and please them all the guru rejoined i will go by all means where i shall be received with love but it hath been imposed on me as a duty not to look on the emperor's face write and tell rajah jai singh that if the sikhs of dihli want me i will go to them but if the rajah desire me to meet the emperor i must decline the invitation the officer then represented that rajah jai singh had promised to call the guru to dihli but had not promised to bring him before the emperor the officer would however write to rajah jai singh and obtain precise information as to what was intended when an answer arrived the officer hastened to communicate it to the guru raja jai singh humbly requesteth the guru to come to dihli so that he and the gurus sikhs may behold him the guru may act as he pleaseth regarding an interview with the emperor if the emperor force an interview on him raja jai singh will foil his intention by diplomacy the guru hearing this said it is well i will set out the day after to-morrow the guru duly set out from kuratpur on the way he waited for some sikhs who had come thither after his departure among them were the halt the maimed the leprous etc all of whom he cured by the imposition of hands in the same way he waited on the road for other sikhs who had come from distant countries to see him much time was thus spent and Raja jai singh's messenger had to remonstrate on arriving at the village of panjakara near ambala the guru made a boundary of sand and ordered that no sikh should cross it after his departure so that he might be able to expedite his journey he said let any sikh who desireth to see me stand here and make his supplication and he shall obtain his wishes he left some of his disciples there to give instruction there is now a temple on the spot in memory of the guru's visit chapter two while the guru at Panjokara was meditating on god a sikh came and told him of a proud brahman who was in the neighbourhood the brahman had asked the guru's name and learned that it was sri har krishan hearing this the brahman became very angry and said the poet of the bhagavad-gita whom none can equal call god merely krishan and the guru calleth himself sri Krishan, as if he thought himself superior to krishan if he be such a guru let him come and translate the gita with me the guru replied to his informant the eyes of understanding are very good but the cataract of pride so blindeth them that they cannot see god's way the proud think all persons beneath them the sikh however prevailed on the guru to allow the brahman to come to him when the brahman came he did not salute the guru but unceremoniously sat down in his presence he then said thou who callest thyself sri har krishan must be greater than the god krishan. translate the gita for a little while with me the guru replied the brahmans of the present day are not deeply read they are great talkers and arguers and are deteriorating every day and in the future they will have even less religion than they have now what the brahmans know is not real knowledge and they are strangers to god i have not read the gita and were i to translate it with thee thou wouldst say i was some rich man's son who had had a private tutor whereas i should translate by my spiritual power go and bring some ignorant rustic to discuss with thee and when thou hast vanquished him i will speak to thee the brahman went and brought an ignorant water-carrier called Ju from the nearest village the guru looked him full in the face and said thou hast become a great divinity scholar now discuss the meaning of the shastars with this brahman the brahman and the water-carrier accordingly began to discuss and the water-carrier gave such learned replies that the brahman stood in astonished silence the questions and replies related to hindu theology the pandit became convinced that the guru had infused his supernatural power into the water-carrier he accordingly begged the guru's pardon for the unceremonious manner in which he had approached him the raman added thou art really the holy god krishan make me thy disciple the guru did so and discoursed to him on humility raja jai singh went forth with bare feet to meet the guru the emperor sent large presents on the guru's arrival and expressed a wish to see him in reply to the emperor's message the guru said my elder brother is with the emperor and is ready to do whatever he desireth i cannot meet the emperor my father with his dying words told me that my elder brother would transact all political affairs with his majesty and i had better not meddle with them my mission is to preach the true name there is no one who can be so affectionate as a brother and there is no one who at the same time can be a greater enemy witness the treatment of his brothers by the emperor himself Ram Rai beareth me great enmity and were the emperor on receiving me to show me any favor Ram Rai would become still more hostile and grave dissensions in families had better be avoided for this and other reasons my father forbade me to meet the emperor when this speech was reported to the emperor he was astonished that a child of seven years of age could have uttered it he said the guru must be some person possessing supernatural power and nothing could be gained by annoying him such good thoughts however merely flashed across aurangzeb's mind for a moment they were but the lightning shining through black clouds on a dark night which quickly vanishes and leaves the landscape in greater darkness than before aurangzeb bided his time for he knew the guru must grant him the desired interview crowds of sikhs thronged to see the guru and receive spiritual consolation from him there was then a plague raging in dili and those afflicted with it who sought the guru's mediation were all healed ram rai finding the sikhs falling away from himself and flocking round the guru became greatly incensed and said to himself the evil i intended for him has turned out to his advantage i must now contrive some other expedient that he may not be able to oppose my designs the following day the emperor's son was announced the prince said that his father desired to see the guru the guru replied that he had already given his reason for not seeing the emperor and he repeated what he had said before namely ram rai who is at court will transact with the emperor any political or administrative business that may be necessary if the emperor desire any religious instruction i will dictate it to thee and thou mayest write it in persian characters when he understandeth and acteth according to it the blessing of guru nanak shall light on him and he shall be happy the prince was astonished at this reply and said the guru might write down his instruction for the emperor the guru then dictated the following hymn of guru nanak for the emperor's edification if the true god dwell not in the heart what is eating what clothing what fruit what clarified butter and sweet molasses what fine flour and what meat what clothes what a pleasant couch for billing and cooing what an army what mace-bearers and servants and what palaces to dwell in nanak except the true name all things are perishable the prince took this hymn to his father who was much impressed with it and his eyes for a moment opened to the truth but the desire of converting the guru to islam and prolonging the enmity between the two brothers again blinded him the emperor once said in the course of private conversation to raja jai singh thou and others highly praise the guru and say he possesseth miraculous power hast thou ever put him to the test if thou have not done so then do so now and if thou find he possesseth any superhuman power then let me know raja jai singh replied it is difficult to put such persons to the test dealing with them is highly dangerous for they may utter curses instead of blessings but i will however as thy majesty ordereth." Contrive some means of proving him jai singh then went home and in consultation with his head queen contrived a plan to test the guru she was to dress herself as a slave and sit with slaves behind the other queens when the guru visited jai singh's palace if the guru recognized her then it might be considered a proof that he really was what his followers deemed him to be the guru by his supernatural power knew the plot laid for him and became very sad at being expected to show to the world what saints and holy men conceal namely miraculous power so when jai singh went to conduct him to his palace he at first refused to receive him on pressure however the guru admitted jai singh to his presence jai singh told him in a very respectful manner that his queens desired to see him when the guru complied with jai singh's invitation he found a large female assemblage ready to receive him the guru touched the front queen with a wand and said thou art not the head queen in the same way he touched the other ladies of the zanana and rejected them all at last he touched the head queen whom notwithstanding her disguise he recognized at the back of the assembly and said thou art the head queen she was very pleased at being recognized in her menial attire the guru then said in reference to the trial made of him by raja jai singh guru nanak will ever confer happiness on those who have unswerving faith he will ever abide with them and assist them and god will love them both in this world and the next he whose mind is perplexed with doubts is not a true believer he who through pride deemeth himself very exalted must like a lofty peak on the surface of the earth ultimately have a fall. Devotion, which is like rain, resteth not on lofty places. There the field of God's love germinateth not, and the harvest of salvation is not gathered. Upon this, Rajat Jai Singh and his queens admitted the Guru's sanctity. Chapter three on the fourth day of the dark half of Chet the day after the above occurrence the guru was seized with fever his eyes were seen to grow red his breathing became very rapid and the heat of his body was felt at a considerable distance his mother krishan kaur sat by him and began to lament saying my son why art thou intent on thy death thou hast only lately been seated on the guru's throne thou art still a child and it is too soon for thee to depart mayest thou enjoy the full term of life have a family and then go to god why at this tender age turn thy thoughts away from the world the guru replied mother dear it is natural that thou shouldst feel this paroxysm of love but have no anxiety for me it is our duty to accept the will of the almighty as guru arjan hath said the master may gather the crop whether it be green half ripe or ripe and fit to be cut the reapers make preparations bring sickles and arrive on the ground they cut the crop as it is measured out to them when the owner giveth orders when it is the husbandman's pleasure he cutteth down the crop there is no rule as to whether it must be green or half ripe what torture guru arjan suffered and yet he uttered not a groan why should we mourn for the body when it is god's will that it should depart what is to-day and what to-morrow whatever god doeth is for the best the guru however thought it proper to go outside the city to the margin of the chamna in order to breathe a purer atmosphere he pitched his camp near raja jai singh's army raja jai singh himself lived in the city on hearing that the guru had left it sent an officer to ask if he had offended him in any way the guru explained the reason of his change of residence prior to the officer's return raja jai singh informed the emperor of the manner in which he had tested the guru the emperor then became still more anxious for an interview and again ordered the raja to procure it for him when raja jai singh returned to his palace he heard of the guru's illness he then went to inquire after his health and also to discuss with him the subject of his interview with the emperor the guru was however too ill to give any definite reply next day smallpox asserted itself its unmistakable pimples appeared on the guru's body with it a very violent fever raged and unconsciousness ensued sikh writers minutely described the effects of the smallpox on the guru's tender and handsome person and the pains he suffered a man suffering from smallpox wriggles like a fish on hot sand if he desired to lie down he cannot do so on whichever side he lies he is pained and writhes in anguish and torture which as the chronicler piously remarks may god not inflict even on an enemy the guru however uttered no cry of pain but continued to repeat god's name during his illness every one was ordered to repeat the hymns of the granth sahib for the occasion the guru continued ill for several days at last his condition grew desperate he knew his end had arrived and he invited all who desired to behold him for the last time to present themselves raja jai singh masan gurbakhsh and many others went to his bedside gurbakhsh, with clasped hands thus addressed him great king the preceding gurus before their departure entrusted their sikhs either to servants or sons thou being so young art going to leave us without a guru how can the sikhs endure such a calamity cherish thy simple sikhs and when thou hast a son who is fit for the guruship then mayest thou depart not now the guru replied be not anxious the creator will do what is best my death cannot now be averted the glory of guru nanak's throne shall increase day by day gurus may die but their hearts that is the granth sahib shall remain with you it containeth instruction divine knowledge and the guru's spell it will satisfy all men's desires read it and act on its counsels and guru nanak will ever assist you wherefore waver not but ever turn your thoughts towards the immortal god salvation is obtained through guru nanak's mediation put faith in him and remember his words the sikhs understood from the guru's language that he was about to die they began to mourn his untimely fate and to reflect that there was none so competent as he to give them divine instruction he on seeing their anxiety thus addressed them this world is transitory to fix your minds on it to indulge in rejoicing or mourning and to impute blame to god are all highly sinful acts we ought all to accept god's will and deem his pleasure as our own whatever he doeth is for the best as baba nanak hath said in the Jopji, what pleaseth thee, O God, is good; this body must one day perish. What mattereth it whether it perish now or after the fulness of years? He who obeyeth God's will renounceth pride and other deadly sins. He remembereth the true name, crosseth over the world's terrible ocean, and is for ever emancipated. Here the guru's strength failed him, he became silent and closed his eyes after a short time he opened them and gazed affectionately on his sikhs raja jai singh again appeared with the emperor's reiterated request for an interview to this the guru gave the same reply as before and expressed a desire that the emperor should fix his attention on the hymn he had written for him next day the sikhs went in a body to behold their guru gurbashk again addressed him great king ram rai is on good terms with the emperor here in the panjab there is mal, as also other sodhis who claim the guruship they are only waiting for thy death to assert their claims simple sikhs will fall into their toils and intelligent sikhs will suffer in the midst of the ensuing troubles in this manner this tree of sikhism which hath been hitherto cherished will wither away every one will be a guru in his own house and several sects of opinionated and heterodox six will arise. Be pleased to appoint someone like thyself for our salvation. The guru replied, Why be anxious? The tree planted by Guru Nanak's holy hands shall never wither, droughts, storms, and heat may prevail, but that shall never fade. There shall be twofold and fourfold miracles, and one guru shall be blended with another. On this, the guru called for five pais and a coconut he took them and not being able to move his body waved his hand three times in the air in token of circumambulating his successor and said "Baba bakali that is his successor would be found in the village of bakala when he could again speak he ordered the minstrels to sing the guru's hymns and repeat god's name when midnight had passed and there was no indication of the guru's recovery his mother who sat by his bed looked at his handsome face became very sad and broke forth into lamentation what shall i do alone in the world having lost my dutiful son and my kind husband where shall i find them and how shall i live without them the guru said in reply mother dear feel no anxiety the greater part of thy life hath been spent in happiness pass the remainder in God's service guru arjan hath said where the physician cannot succeed where there is neither sister nor brother, God alone assisteth. What he doeth cometh to pass. He washeth away the filth of sin. Remember that supreme being. By remembering God, thou shalt arrive at such a superior position that thou shalt never know sorrow and never be separated from us. The Guru's mother was much consoled by this speech. The Guru's final order was that none should weep for him, but all were to sing the Guru's hymns in the midst of the hymns and the repetition of god's name the guru breathed his last on saturday the fourteenth day of the light half of the month of chet Sambat, seventeen twenty one a d sixteen sixty four his body was cremated on a plain called Tilakari, south of dihli on the bank of the jamna where his signory tongue is still preserved a temple was subsequently built at the place where he had resided when in the city End of life of Guru Har Grishan, the eighth guru.